Good morning, church. Hope everyone's doing well. This is your first time. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are going to continue our worship with the time of prayer. Um, but on the way over here this morning, I was listening to worship music, trying to get ready for the morning. And every single song I listened to mentioned that he is enough and then I don't need anything else. If I have God in my life, if I have God in control, I don't need anything else. Nothing else will do. He's the only one that will satisfy my heart and my mind and my soul. So if we, when we pray this morning, just come, not expecting to be blessed. Just come for him this morning. That he doesn't owe us anything. But if we can come with our hearts and give him our whole heart this morning. And we'll see what he does this morning. Father, we come before you broken. And you are all that we need this morning. You are all that we want this morning. We always try to bring our own agendas. We always try to, well, God, if you do this for me, then maybe I'll pray this week. God, if you bless me this way, maybe I'll serve you more. But that's not what it's about. It's about coming and worshiping you and you filling us up with your love, with your mercy. Nothing else will do this morning but to feel your presence and to be loved by you. So we give you this time, Lord. Fill us up. Speak to our hearts. And remind us that you are enough. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
There's a grace when the heart is under fire Another way when the walls are closing in When I look at the space between Where I used to be and this reckoning And I know I will never be was another in the fire standing next to me there was another in the waters holding back the seas should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free there is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me there is another in all my dead left for dead beneath the waters I'm no longer a slave to my sin of this world I know I will never be
message and uh, can I tell you a crazy story um, just personal in my life within the last few months um, so five years ago almost uh, my wife and I moved to the AV uh, for a job uh, after I got out of the military and uh, so I've been working there five years you know getting used to it and great company and then uh, earlier this year a coworker of mine said, hey, here's a job um, somewhere else that you might be interested in. So I looked at it, and it looked appealing. So I was like, ah, sure, I'll apply to it after I talked with my wife. Um, and uh, so I was like, I probably won't hear anything. And then like a couple days later, they're like, hey, you want to come out for an interview this week? I was like, uh, I can't this week. Let's do it next week. So I went there, interviewed, um, and... Uh, didn't really hear anything at first. Uh, I thought the interview went well. And, um, and so wife and I were talking about it and stuff. And then I got a, a raise at work. Um, they did like a market analysis for my position type. And they're like, oh, you need more money. I'm like, OK. <laughs> um, so maybe I was thinking like, OK, God, you know, this is awesome opportunity that I applied for and interviewed for. But, you know, maybe you're calling me to stay here because I got a raise. And then just talking with different people in the workplace who are Christians, they're like, yeah, this seems more up your alley. And so I was like, well, talked with my wife again. Maybe we should consider it. You know, it's got a lot of opportunity for me career-wise. And so they decided to give me an offer, and I got to tell them the new number of how much I was making um, and so I waited for a while, and they came back with an offer, uh, which was 10% on top of what I was, the new number of what I would be making, um, which is amazing, and I'm undeserving. Um, but it doesn't stop there, okay? So uh, I eventually accepted and had been waiting around for a while to start, and I've been there ab about a month now. But within that month, uh, the, the wonderful, uh, gentle breezes of the Antelope Valley the past two years in our new house that we bought, well, not new house, but uh, house that we bought, first-time homeowners, um, was tearing up shingles on our roof. And if you own a house, you know how expensive roofs can be. And so we decided to recently replace our roof. Oh, and by the way, our air conditioning was about to die, so we had to do that too, and that's not cheap either. Um, oh, and during that time, our alternator went out in our car, and so that was a pretty penny too. All that to say, I don't think it surprised God, because doing the numbers and stuff, like, 
that's the raise and the new job was exactly what we needed uh, to be able to take care of the things for our home. And I know everyone's story is different. You're like, maybe I just want to, I want to buy a hamburger today. God, can you, you know, come through for that? Everyone's different. All of our stories are different, but uh, truly kind of reflect on the, the song that we just sang about. There was another in the fire and uh, that comes from the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting thrown into the fire by the king because they wouldn't worship the king. They would only worship God. And when they put him in there, there was three that went in, but the king saw four people in there. You know, and some say they think it was Jesus or an angel or something. I don't know. But that gives me faith that no matter what we're going through. I don't, I don't think God was surprised that they got thrown into the fire. I don't think God was surprised that these things would happen in my life um, with my house and our car and everything when he lined up this job and whatnot. And I don't think Jesus was surprised when um, they put him on a cross for us. In fact, he foretold that to the disciples, he said, this is what's going to happen to me. And they're like, nah, that's not going to happen. And it did. And he wasn't surprised because he knew on the other side what the benefits would be, what the victory would be. And so today, I just want to encourage you, you know, it's definitely a trust and faith thing to tithe, to give money when it looks like you don't have it. Like, we've been tithing faithfully because that's what I believe. I believe that God will come through. And I can tell you other crazy stories um, about how he has come through. Not because of me, because I feel like my faith is weak and I'm undeserving and um, I'm actually a messed up, horrible person, if you really know me. Um, but God is faithful. God is good. And he loves us and has a plan for us. And so um, as the ushers come forward, I'm going to just going to pray over the giving. Um, God, I thank you so much that you are good. It doesn't matter if we are good or bad, because inherently we're all bad. Um, but you, in your grace, in your love, decide to bless us and um, take care of us when we put our faith and our trust in you. And so I just ask that um, today you bless the giving, you bless this church in uh, what we can give, what we are able to give, no matter the number. And I just ask that you would bless those who have their faith in you and who decide to trust you and that you would give them crazy stories too because uh, you're a crazy good God and, um, and you love us so much. So thank you, Jesus. Amen. Good morning, Journey Church. How are you guys doing today? Hey, I just want to welcome you guys, uh, the Journey family, along with uh, the Journey guests and yes. uh, the folks out there in Online. Uh, digital land. Yeah. And actually, you visitors, we're kind of hoping you're going to be Journey family soon. Absolutely. So just keep that in mind. This is Tom and I'm Bianca. We are so excited to give you guys announcements today. Can you tell? 
Woo! Sunday morning. She's excited. <laughs> I'm scared to death, but that's okay. Tom we, uh, was like, I'm Eeyore. I was like, well, I'm Tigger, <laughs> so get ready, buddy. Yeah. We're going to have so, fun up here. Yeah, and guess what? You know what? We're going to let all the excitement go out right now. All you fifth and sixth graders, <laughs> you guys get to head on out to J Kids. Have a good time out have there. Have fun. Secondly, if you have any fussy children or fussy spouses, we have a cry room in the back, and you can just kind of sneak them back there. It's a double window, so you can see out, but we can't see you, kind of like they have on Law & Order, so you can feel like you're on a TV show today, right? Absolutely, <laughs> and it's a fun place to hang out for me, so, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, guess what? Wednesday night, you guys probably haven't heard this before, but guess what? We're having Connect Night. That's right, Connect folks. Night. Yes. Connect Night, That's probably one of the most exciting nights in the Antelope Valley, as That's far as I'm true. concerned. Me too. What do you guys think? So, our times are roughly, well, we start off with a little bit of a variance, so bear with me because this is going to be rough for me, but You're from okay. 6 to 6.30, we have the crash folks come on in. They have like a little meet and greet, as folks my, my age would say, but it's really a place for <laughs> you like guys to, to get to hangs. know each other. Newer generation calls it hangs, Tom. Hang. You're good. No hang. worries. I'm actually going to start using that. I'm going to start <laughs> hanging, folks. So at uh, 6 to 6.30, that's where you guys will hang out. From 6.30 to 8, that's when all the festivities start. All the we festivities. have game night for the J yep. kids. We have the adult night for yes. the adults, I guess yep. is what it is. So grown-ups and kids are at this building, and the crash is going to be at the North Building. That's our fancy name for the old Journey Church building. It's the North Building. And this is the main odd. And we also have for all the ladies, where are you today? Woo, I can hear you. Uh, Ladies Retreat is coming up October 4th through the 6th. It's going to be at the Oaks in Lake Hughes. And no men are allowed. And so, ladies, if you have any questions, please stop by at the hotspot. We'd love to answer questions for you. We'd love to take payments from you. And if you'd like to um, invest in some of the ladies that may not be able to make it financially, we would love to have any sponsorships we are taking. So just head on over to the hotspot right out these doors and to the right. Absolutely, and sorry, men, we're not invited. So <laughs> we also, uh, this is a thing that's pretty near and dear to my heart. Uh, Journey has teamed with Grace Resource Center, and they uh, get together and put together a night of feeding the hungry, which I think is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, if you guys are interested, we, uh, I should tell you what it is, right? It's September yes. 25th. Yep. And uh, if you're interested, they definitely could use support. They could use people to go out and uh, buy the food, cook the food, and then serve the food. Yes. And I'll tell you, I've done it. And uh, when you go in there, you know, you're going to have a bunch of people walking out with full bellies, and you're going to walk out with a full heart. It's awesome. fantastic. That's I'm going to tell you that. And uh, if you're interested, again, stop by the hot spot. And uh, I guess we also want to let you guys know it is the same night as uh, the Connect Night. So. If you guys want to come, Double guess what? Up. You'll be done, and you can come on over here and finish it off with that way. It'll be great Two for you. Two things in one night. You don't have to do anything for the rest of the week, right? Absolutely. <laughs> That's all the You've checked them off all the boxes <laughs> at that time. That's good. We know that we have a lot of information here for you guys as we give announcements. So please remember that the hotspot has all this information, and we actually have a newsletter that goes out. And so if you'd like to be a part of that, just head on over to the hotspot, sign up for it. You just a one-time sign up and they'll send you information. Also, we have um, an Instagram account and a Facebook account. So please find us there. Information's always being put up on those social media. So 
Absolutely. And then the last thing, we, what we'd like to do is, again, our guests are very, very, very yes, important to us. So them. we definitely want to welcome you guys. We have some special gifts out there by the hotspot. If you haven't noticed anything, if you want anything, you go to the hotspot. Absolutely. But, uh, as, as guests, like I said, we, 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 we love the fact that you're here, and we want to make you guys feel welcome. So feel free to go on out there and uh, get yourself a gift. Absolutely. Now is my favorite time of the service, not Tom's. But everybody, get on up and shake someone's hand. Say hi to them this morning. I have never shook a hand of anybody <laughs> yet, just so you guys know. pastors and again so glad you guys are here this morning we are in week two of a brand new series called the way and i'm excited to not quite as energetic as those two who are just up here but the, you know i uh, i want to just tell you that this is exciting to me because for so much of my christian experience my church upbringing um i, I don't know I, I just kind of felt like there was just this big list that was on me of to do's and not to do's and that pretty much was what made up my faith. And over the number of years, particularly the last several years, God has been reforming me into um, a person who doesn't just live for or doesn't just live for <clears throat> rules, but a person who's really learning to walk in the ways of Jesus. And this is so transformational. I, I'm just really, really excited about sharing more and more and more <clears throat> with our church family and inviting you into something that is so different from what a lot of us have experienced because uh, Jesus didn't come to ask people to join the Christian religion Jesus didn't come just to give you a whole bunch of doctrines or a bunch of rules Jesus he, he didn't even come just to make bad people good people Jesus came to invite us into a way of life that was truly life to the fullest he said I want to invite you into a way that is going to give you life and it's like this invitation is going to be like life. The Spirit of God is going to well up within you. It's kind of like overflows the sense of joy. Not that nothing goes wrong or that everything goes perfectly, but that in the midst of all this crisis and trouble that we have in our life, you're going to learn to live with joy, contentment, and confidence in your relationship with our great God. And that's the invitation Jesus had. But his invitation wasn't believe these things. His invitation was simple. Follow me. And people who did became part of what we know as the first century called the way. The way is basically the way of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. I'm the way. He didn't say, I'm going to show you a way. I'm going to point the way. He said, I am the way. And I'm inviting you to join me. His invitation came last week. We talked about Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all of you who are weary, carrying heavy burdens. I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke, my teachings, my way of interpreting the ways of God. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. And I know your body may be worn out, but what's really needed is Jesus said, your soul needs to come home. That's what he was inviting us into. So last week we focused on who the invitation went out to, who was invited to live the way of Jesus. And today I want to talk a little bit more about this concept of how. Because all the sermons I've heard so many times in my life, I get all fired up, people are preaching these great sermons, and I'm like, yes, but how? I'm a really practical guy, kind of nuts and bolts, as you probably surmise if you've been here a little while. I like things that are really hands-on and practical. I, I need to know how. I'm all for it. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm inspired. I get it, but how? And so today we're going to kind of start with what is the next move in your life? If you say, I'm, I'm really intrigued, I'm interested, or I'm all in, whatever, I want to know, well, how? What, what do I do? So the New Testament gives four basic accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These, these accounts are basically different. Each one differs in its own way because it's coming from four different people from four different perspectives and four different backgrounds and to four audiences. <clears throat> so we're going to talk about Matthew for a moment because Matthew was the guy we introduced you to last week, a guy who had a really crazy encounter with Jesus because he was a tax collector. You can go listen to last week's message on the uh, Journey webpage and you'll get a little bit background on that. But he was Jewish and Matthew was writing primarily to a Jewish audience. So they had the same background, the same understanding about the world, had the same worldview. They'd had the same story that they'd been carrying all along with the Jewish God and the way of following him. So they shared all of this. They also had big faith because they had all this story and all the background and all the millennia of God's work in their lives. So following God for these people was kind of a given. They didn't need a lot of detail in the stories as they were written and recorded. So Matthew gave kind of the, you know, the basic points. But the downside for some people who might read Matthew's gospel is that it can seem like a little bit unrealistic at times what it means to follow Jesus. So this is the version of following Jesus that I learned and perhaps some of you learned. Honestly, it may scare some of you because the way that it was preached and presented sometimes <clears throat> made you wonder, if could I really pull this off? I mean, it, it seems a little bit drastic. So I'm going to read it quickly and we're going to go through Matthew's account of a story and then we're going to kind of pull back and take a look at it from Luke's perspective. All right, so Matthew starts in chapter 4, verse 18, describing this account. It says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter. Okay, so it's, you know, Dave or David, but it's the same guy. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once... They left their nets and followed him. And, and, and you're reading this, and you're like, wait, what? So this guy walks up, you're at work, and you're doing your daily job, and he just walks up, he said, hey, you, stop what you're doing, follow me. And, and you're kind of like, okay, and you just drop your net, you drop your job, you walk off without even punching out, and there's more. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee. 
So they're fishing, they're doing the same job, but they're actually doing it with their dad. So they're preparing their nets, and Jesus called them, verse 22. And immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. It's kind of like, Dad, sorry, we don't even want to go to, you don't even have to row to shore. We're just going to jump out and run. We're just gone. And it's like instantly. I mean, you, you read this, and it's kind of like, man, that's, that's crazy. That's, that's like really extreme. That's really crazy what they did. Hey, Dad, see the guy with the beard and the sandals over there on the shore? Yeah, we're going with him. Sorry, we're leaving the family business. Tell mom goodbye. Hope all goes well. Good luck. They're just out, right? Peace out. It's, it's kind of like this story and this accounting leads one to believe that there was just like this instantaneous, I see Jesus, Jesus calls me, and it's all give up everything right this very moment and follow him. Because when I was in youth ministry, or when I was a, a student going, and I, heard, I go to camp where we hear one of these preachers, they'd preach about this topic, and they'd be like, and this is the call of Jesus, and he's calling you, and right now, right now, wherever you are, no matter what you're doing, he wants you to stop everything, pick up your cross, and follow him. It's like, because if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all, and that sort of thing. And I'm like, okay. So a lot of the time, I felt like, yeah, I, I'm, I get it. I mean, I'll, I'll follow him, um, but what does that mean? Where do I start? What do I do? I mean, this is, this is not an easy thing. So can I, can I finish high school, or do I just like drop everything and walk out and follow you? I, I don't even know who you are. But this is what many people take the scriptures, and they just kind of like, they take one little passage, and they pounce on it, and they try to apply it across the board to everybody. And it's, it's a little startling, and it's a little confusing because, well, for one, it's not in context. And for two, it's not in the balance of what was actually taking place in the historical moment. Is Jesus calling people to follow him? Yes. Specific people in a very specific way. But what you're hearing sometimes is you need to decide right now. You need to decide. And a lot of preachers sometimes use this verse to say, you have to decide right now. And you have to decide because it's all or nothing. I mean, decide this minute. Because if you pause too long, Jesus may come back and you'll go to hell if you don't go to heaven. You know, and you're kind of like, what do I do? And so this is pressure tactic. Well, Jesus didn't use these kind of tactics. As a matter of fact, if you understand the context, that's not what Jesus was doing here at all. Fortunately, um, I came to realize Matthew was telling a story in the briefest of terms because people already, they had already experienced it. They'd been there. He's reminding the most of them of what they'd already seen or heard from others, and he's bringing it to a different point, a different conclusion than was the other authors. So what we find then in Luke's account, we find some details that Matthew didn't have the uh, interest in putting in because his audience wouldn't need them. But Luke's audience were folks like you and me. For most of you, I mean, we're Gentiles. That means we're not Jewish. We don't have the same history. We don't practice the, the Old Testament or the, the way that these people would have practiced it. They don't have, we don't have the same background and history, the family structure and all that. Our religious practices were a little different from their practices. So Luke realizes his audience They've got to have a little more detail, a little more information on the story. So here's what Luke says, and Luke begins his gospel by saying, by the way, everyone who reads this, I thoroughly researched everything I've recorded here so you can have confidence that it is not only my account, but it was verified by other eyewitnesses. And Luke was a doctor, he was a very sharp guy. So here's the rest of the story. We find it in Luke chapter 5, verse 1. 
<clears throat> One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. <clears throat> oh, wait, wait. So Matthew left out this little bitty detail. Jesus was actually teaching the people on the seashore. And this is really, there's one really important little detail here. There's one particular word that is critical to understanding the context. The people were crowding around him and listening. Because for most people, following Jesus begins with information. It doesn't begin with an instant call to join something. It begins with listening, with an encounter, with an experience where you come into the range of something that you did not know or did not understand or you did not see before or something that is kind of captures your attention. For most people, following Jesus begins with an encounter, with listening. It begins with information. It doesn't begin with leave your job and your family, give me all your money and follow me. It doesn't start there. It's really important that if you're, if you're part of a church or a religion that's told you in the past, don't ask questions. Just believe. Just do what we say. Can I just tell you? Run away. If they're telling you, don't use your brain, listen to us, we'll tell you what to believe. We'll tell you how to believe it. We'll tell you when to believe it. We'll tell you what to do and who to be with and how to. Listen, that's not the invitation I read from Jesus. Jesus was teaching them because people need information in order to make decisions. And Jesus made you, and he knows you, and he knows that some of us, our minds are a little geared more practically than just emotionally, and we're like, I get it. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I need to understand what it means. Who are you? What are you asking of me? And, and how do I do this? Because real faith, real Christianity is built on truth and on teaching, not just on emotion. So Paul even goes to tell us this in Romans 10, 17, no one can have faith without hearing the message of Christ. You, you can't even have faith if you don't hear the message. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word, the message of hope. So you don't even get there unless you've heard something, that you've experienced something on the learning level. So it comes as you hear, as you understand the message of, of Jesus. Faith is not blind. I know people say, well, it's blind faith. Religion is blind. It's not blind faith if you're following Jesus the way Jesus called you to follow him. It's an intelligent faith. It's an investigative faith. You don't have to just believe and don't ask questions. You don't check your brain at the door. You, you, were, you, you were given a brain to use it. So Jesus was teaching them. And if somebody's telling you, you don't need to learn this, you don't need to listen, you don't need to have information, you're following the wrong people. Because until you hear the message of Jesus without hearing, you can't respond in faith. So Jesus himself, he was building people's faith in the Heavenly Father around his teachings and of listening and learning. Remember what we talked about just a moment ago? <clears throat> Take my yoke. What is my yoke? That was a first century idiom for saying, Take my interpretation of the ancient manuscript. Take my take on the Torah. Take my teachings, my, my way of living upon you. Let me teach you, it goes on to say. So Jesus is saying, listen, the invitation is first here. Come, come hang around me. 
and let me show you what it looks like. Let me teach you what it means. So here's Jesus standing at the edge of the water. He's teaching people. They're crowding in, crowding in, and crowding in, and the crowd's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It was really early in the morning from the context that Luke gives us. And Jesus, as he's getting crowded, sees two boats sitting there right on the shore. And so they were left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. So a little bit, bit of background on fishermen. Fishermen in the first century in this te- region of the world, they were like net fishermen. So they'd have these big nets that they'd make by hand, and then they'd go out in groups, in little, little groups, and they would throw the nets. And so they would go into the, this was done early in the morning or during the night because the water was cool. So they would go at night and fish while the water was cool. The fish were at the top. The nets could grab the fish. And then by morning, they were pulling up onto shore. They were sorting their fish. And then they would take their nets and stretch them out over these posts on the shoreline to dry. And so they'd be out picking out the hubcaps and the beer cans and stuff like that as they're getting and mending their nets, you know, that were got torn on grabbing something from the bottom. And so as they're doing this, this rabbi sets up a little teaching session right there between their their work. So right there between what they're doing, between their fishing boats and their nets, they're out here mending their nets and Jesus is teaching. So once their nets were dried out, then they'd roll them up and take them home and store them until the next night when they'd go back out and fish again. So these fishermen stretched out their nets, they're cleaning them, they're mending them, and they're hearing Jesus talk. So Jesus sees through this crowded group that there are a couple boats right there and because he's obviously observant and because he made the world he knows that voices carry really well over water so he turns to the guy Luke chapter 5 verse 3 and he says he got into one of the boats the one belonging to Simon who we know is Peter and he asked him to put out a little from the shore then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat so Jesus gets <clears throat> into the boat that belongs to Peter, and he asks Peter, hey, can you just give us a little distance so you know the, I get away from the folks a little bit, that way everybody can hear and everybody can see me. So apparently Jesus says, uh, Peter, can I inconvenience you for a moment? Peter, I need to borrow your boat for a little while. So Peter's sitting there, he's working, he's listening, he's working, mending his nets, he's listening, because faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by listening, by information, by getting your questions answered. That's where it begins. So Simon, Peter, James, and John have been listening. And verse 4 says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon. He could have said anything. When he would finished speaking, he could have said, hey, Simon, did you hear what I said? Drop your nets and follow me right now. He could have said, you know, tell your family you're not going to be back at work tomorrow. Whatever. But notice what he did say. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let the nets down for a catch. This is really important. This is significant because he asked Peter to do something Peter had done a thousand times. Remember, Peter was a fisherman. He was used to getting in his boat and pushing off the shore. He says, put out into deeper water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, this is after the whole encounter, after he'd finished his little sermon, after he taught from the distance of a few, you know, dozen feet from shore. He says, now, Peter, I want you to do something with me. I want you to encounter something. I want you to experience something. You've heard. Now I want you to engage. 
I want you to do something you've done a thousand times, but I want you to do it differently than you've ever done it before. So the problem with this is they just finished fishing. They just finished cleaning and mending their nets. They just finished probably rolling up. They were in the process of putting everything away and going home and going to bed. It's kind of like somebody comes over your house at the afternoon and says, hey, let's go ride your horse. And you've just finished washing and scrubbing and put it and you put it away or it's like somebody said let's go for a quad ride and you've just taken all the mud off and taken everything put it all away and everything's nice and tidy where it was supposed to be and you're like hey let's go again take me this time and they're like really oh man really i I mean i'd be thinking wait wait haven't you been paying attention you're a teacher right but have you noticed that it's been a long night shift had you noticed that we dragged up these nets, they had nothing in them? Hadn't you noticed that we've already mended the nets, we've already rolled the nets, we've already... Listen, I just want to go home and go to bed. But Simon Peter, respectfully, diplomatically, he, with, with great honor, he, he just, he realizes <clears throat> this, is a, this is obviously a rabbi. The rabbis were everywhere in those days, there were a lot of rabbis. This guy was good, as far as Peter knows. He's another traveling teacher, but this is what Peter says. Simon answered, uh, Master, interesting, this word, Master, that was basically just a generic term for somebody in authority. He doesn't call him Lord. He doesn't call him, you know, Rabbi. He calls him, you know, um, yeah, boss, basically just a generic term for sure, boss. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night. (laughs) We haven't caught anything. And it's important to notice, they'd fished all night. They were done. And that's how they did it. Now the water was warming up and the fish were going out deeper and down lower. So it would have been very difficult to catch them because the heat of the day was now beginning to hit the water. So they were done. They'd caught nothing. They had gone when they were supposed to go, when fishermen normally go, when the fish are at the surface and nothing. And now Jesus was asking them to do something they've done a thousand times, and they knew better because they'd done this before. But he's asking them to do it just a little differently. Peter, I'm not asking you to leave everything and just run off and follow me right now. I'm just asking you to do one little thing that, yeah, you've done it a thousand times, but I just want you to try something. I just want, I just want you to trust me. This one little thing. I, I, You've heard me? Now trust me. Well, you know, we don't know what Peter was thinking. <clears throat> he could have been thinking, man, this guy's obviously a carpenter. And he knows nothing about fishing. I mean, he's a good preacher. He probably should stick with that because that was good. The sermon was good. But he, do- he doesn't know what he's talking about. Go back out in the water. People will think I'm nuts. I am nuts. Because what was at stake? Whether Peter would trust Jesus. Whether he would accept. Experience him. Folks, here's the thing. There's a place in which you're going to come to a, 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 where God is basically, or Jesus is going to say, okay, now follow me one step further than you've ever been before. Trust me with something that you think you know very well. You probably, this is your area, it's your forte, it's your specialty, or it's something you have experience in, but I want you to trust me with it. I want you to do something I'm going to ask you to do that you've done before, but I'm going to ask you to do it a little differently. I'm going to ask you to trust me 
and step out in faith. Because now that you've heard something, now that you've heard what God's invitation is that we've invited you, I want you to try it on. Take your first step. So whether Peter knew what was coming or not, Peter just basically, this is awesome. What Peter did was, Peter said, but because you say so, I worked hard all night. We didn't catch anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Not because I think it's going to work. Not because it's going to help my reputation with other fishermen. Not because I think we're going to catch anything, but because I have enough respect but because I sense there's something going on when I hear you talk, there's something to it. The words that you say and the way that you say and just something about you resonates with something about me. I don't, I don't even understand it, but because you say so, I'll do it. Just think about what hung in the balance of Peter's decision here. Think about this one little moment that was the hinge point for everything in Peter's life. It wasn't just, hey, I see you out in the boat, drop your nets, follow me. <clears throat> it was listen, 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 listen. Now apply. Now take your step. Now experience something with me. And if Peter, in that moment, had decided, oh, you know what? I don't think so. You know what? I'm really just too tired. I don't have any time. To, I don't have time to bother with this. I've got, I've got a busy day, lots going on, sorry, just not, it's just not for me. But just because he said in this one time, this one moment, I'm going to do something I've done before a thousand times, but God, you've invited me to do something with you, I'm going to do it. Because he did that, something happened that changed everything. <clears throat> now, for some of you, that's exactly where you are today. You've heard sermons, you've heard teachings, you've been around the church for a while, and it's kind of like, yeah, 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 your, your head's going this way, but when it comes to your life, your life is still something that you keep to yourself. When it comes to encountering God, you've never really experienced anything. Kind of like Kyle, when he's like, God was nudging him to trust him financially, and that's just, that's not a, you know, it's not a plug to get your money. That's just saying, in an area of his life, God challenged him, he was like, okay, he would never have known what he just shared on this story, the stage this morning, if he had not said, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I heard it. Now I'm going to do it. Just imagine if Jesus had pulled back the curtain just a little bit for Peter. Just imagine if he had said, Peter, 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 look, I'm going to give you a little glimpse of what's coming, all right? If you say yes, if we get into there and you get out in this and you throw your nets like I, if you trust me in this little thing, it's going to change your world. You know what? There's going to be something that happens that's miraculous, and then you're going to say yes to me, and you're going to want to follow me more, and you're going to trust me more, and the next thing you know, you're going to be laying hands on people, and they're going to be getting well. You're going to be stepping out of a boat and walking on water. I know it's never happened before. Nobody's ever, no, we don't have a video to prove that it can happen, but if you, if this, if you trust me right here, Peter, you're going to see things you've never, you're going to see the angels of God ascending and descending. You're going to hear the voice of God booming from heaven. You're going to experience things you have, I can't even explain it to you, Peter. Not only that, you're going to be the guy when I die and get raised from the dead, you're going to be the guy that leads the charge for a brand new move of God in the world. We're going to start this thing called the church and you're going to head it up. All of Rome, 
This is nuts. I know Rome is the power of the whole world, but Rome is going to bend the knee to the gospel you will present. The whole world will be changed forever. And by the way, when you're dead, they're going to build this great big basilica and they're going to put it in your name and thousands of people are going to come a year. It's going to be take 130 years to build it and they're just going to come to celebrate you because you said yes to this first step of obedience. Peter, of course, would have gone, I'm in. Heck yes, you, want the, you can have the boat. The boat's yours. That's awesome. But Peter... <clears throat> just like you and he's just like me he heard a little information and, and he was called to take a next step and he just knew what he knew he had no idea what hung in the balance of a single decision <clears throat> he'd probably done this thing a thousand times but now Jesus was saying just trust me trust me verse 6 and 7 says this when they had done so so he obviously agreed put out just out in the lake put down his nets when they had done so, not when he thought so, not when he intended so, not when he believed so, or he prayed so, or what he said so, but when he had done so, because doing is what makes the difference in following Jesus. Learning, discovering, informing, yes. But what good is your information if it doesn't ever transform you? Can I tell you, this is where there's a broken link in church world between a lot of people who say yes to Jesus and know to living Jesus-like lives. There's nothing done. It's knowing without doing, which brings death, which brings Phariseeism, which is basically why so many churches are filled and so many people in the world are still lost. So many people are still looking for the answer somewhere else because, well, if church people had the answer, then things would have changed somewhat in their lives by now. Doing makes the difference. So he said, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. They came and filled their boats so full, they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he, <coughs> what do you think he did? <coughs> he screamed, Dad, we're rich. Go get a refrigerated truck. I mean, we're, we're like, rolling. hoorah, we're rolling in it, right? No, look what he did. He didn't get all geeked out about more fish than he'd ever caught, about all the money that he was going to make. He realized something far more important, far more transcendent was happening. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. Other translations say feet, but basically the idea is he dropped to his knees and grabbed at Jesus' legs. Basically just in a humble posture, he said, Go away from me, Lord. Notice the word Lord. He doesn't say master. He doesn't say, hey, boss. He doesn't say rabbi. He uses the word Lord, which basically is a powerful word that says you are the master of all things. You are the promised son of God. I'm a sinful man. In that moment, first Peter recognized who, who Jesus was. In that moment, he began a personal relationship. In that moment, the world changed. Peter had been shoulder to shoulder, eyeball to eyeball with Jesus for probably a few hours, but nothing had changed. He'd heard all the words, nothing had changed. His perspective hadn't changed. His world hadn't changed. His future had not changed until he said, yes, I'll do what you say. I'll take the next step. And that's when everything exploded. He was in the presence of the Lord. 
the Messiah, the promised one, the king of all creation. Verse 9. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, don't be afraid. I'm the Lord. I'm not here to harm you. I have an incredible future for you. It couldn't begin until you were willing to take your first step of trust and faith in me. You heard, you responded, and now you are going to know. Now you are going to experience. Now the heavens are going to open. All hinged on a little single decision to trust Jesus and take his next step. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. They left everything and followed him. Not because he just walked by and said so. They left everything and they followed him because they'd experienced something they'd never experienced before. Because they obeyed and did something they'd never quite done before in the way he'd asked them to do it. This is where the rubber meets the road. They left everything and followed Jesus. Their lives and destinies were changed because they just took four basic steps. First, they listened. They listened. They began with hearing. They began with learning. Next, they inconvenienced themselves. They did something they'd done a thousand times. They inconvenienced themselves. They got the nets back out. They did something that just was not good timing. It wasn't good. It just seemed like it was ridiculous. But the third thing, they took a step, a single step. They made it personal. They obeyed what God had asked them to do. Finally, they left their way and followed the way. They followed Yahweh. This is the powerful thing. I think each of us is in that somewhere today. Some of you are in the sit and listen phase. You basically, you may not believe anything about this. You may not believe or have any experience with church or Christianity or religion. And you're at the sit and listen phase. For some reason, you are here. Can I just encourage you? Continue to listen and to learn. Get your questions answered. Maybe your next step is just come back next week and hear the next way in which we engage our lives in Jesus' world, Jesus' way to experience the fullness of life. Maybe it's just coming back. Maybe it's coming out um, Wednesday night and learning more. Maybe, maybe it's taking that book that somebody offered you that, that Christian friend has been trying to get you to read that answers some of your questions, swinging by the hot spot and picking up More Than a Carpenter or one of the books that we have out there that is really powerful for free. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's just come back, learn. Maybe you're in the inconvenience phase. Your next step is doing something that you've probably done a million times. I've gone to church services. I've gone to that. Maybe it's coming out on a Wednesday. Well, I'm really busy. I've got a late night. I get up early in the morning. It's Maybe it's gathering a few friends around and saying, rather than just come out and watch the football game or party or do whatever we used to do, maybe we could get like a little, just kind of talk, a conversation going around some things that really matter, about spiritual things. Maybe we can go to the church, they've got all those resources, and pick up a study that helps us to understand um, a lot of the questions we have about our faith or about God or about what God wants us to do in the world. Maybe, maybe take our next step together inconvenience yourself, get together with some folks. Maybe the next phase for you is a single step of faith phase. Maybe you're in that place where it's like, your next step is you've got to do something about this before it fossilizes into, oh yeah, I heard that, I know that. 
You see, because what happens in church world, you hear information enough, you begin to think, and this is psychologically proven, you begin to think that you've already done it just because you're around it. You've heard it. It stirs you up, but if you stir without acting, you settle. Things go right back to the way they were before, and you feel different because you heard information where God moved you, God nudged you, God prompted you, but you didn't act on it. Your life wasn't changed. Your world didn't get a new encounter. You just have more information, and now it's just kind of like piling up inside, and, and a stream that everything goes into and nothing comes out of is called a dead stream. It's like the dead sea, and basically it putrefies. You've got to move that information into from listening to acting to doing, and the single step <clears throat> of faith. Usually it has something to do with, it's different for everybody, but usually it has something to do with your relationships or your profession or your money. <clears throat> Maybe it's something at home, at work, and your finances. But there's like an, and I don't even need, I don't even know, I can't even tell you, but there's some inner part of you that's felt prompted, it's felt challenged, it's felt encouraged, felt nudged. It's like God is trying, he's trying to get your attention, and you know this is true, but for whatever reason, you're resisting. I'm just so busy. Maybe at a different season. Maybe when my kids get older. Maybe when I'm done with this project. Maybe when, maybe, maybe, maybe. And like Peter, you have no idea what is hinging on one small decision of obedience, trusting God. And I'm just saying, maybe you just need to ask God, <clears throat> what is it you're saying to me? And maybe the next step is this final one, which is leave your nets. And I'm not saying quit your job, become a traveling rabbi or a pastor and all that. You probably wouldn't like it. I'm saying that your next step is whatever God tells you. It's taking that bold step, trusting God. As the band comes right now to wrap us up, I just want to ask you, what's the next step? For me in my life, it was saying yes to Jesus in spite of all the confusing things and the challenging things I, I didn't get about faith. It was taking the step in the direction of Jesus even because I did know some things and those things I knew I had to respond to. I'm just telling you, for us, following the way of Jesus begins with a single step. It begins with you taking your next, informing, learning, then responding. Next week, we're going to break it down. We're going to start talking about some of the some of the ways that God has invited us to respond that will change you. But the biggest one of all is taking your step of obedience to what he says and tells you. I want to pray for you. Would you bow with me? Father, as we close this morning, there's so much about your call that maybe it's not always obvious. <clears throat> some of the things you asked us to do, they're like, really? Somebody in the room right now today has had information and they're they're wrestling with it, and they're not sure what to do next. But you taught us to learn, and faith comes by hearing, so we're hearing. But then it's activated by doing. So God, what is it you want me to do? Is my next step to show up again? Is my next step to bring a friend who needs to hear this? Is my next step taking the Bible and breaking it open and beginning to read it for myself and begin to pray and talk to you myself? Is it getting a study and going deeper? Is it learning what it means to be a disciple? Is it coming out on Wednesdays? Is it gaining you know, some traction by some friendships that really help me go? God, just help me to know what's my next step.
just surrendering financially and just saying, I trust you? Is it taking the next career move? Is it moving my marriage closer to a faith response? And God, what is it? And my prayer that in this room, in this and the audience watching online, that each of us would begin to sense your nudge because it's your spirit that guides us. That we, like Peter, would say yes. And that our world would change when we do what we've always done, but a little differently in obedience to you. Follow the way. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, would you stand with me? Run out of time. I know we kind of went a few minutes over. Let's worship today as we get ready to go and I invite you guys back Wednesday night and next Sunday as we carry on. Let's worship. Cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. Sorrow may come in the darkest night. The cross has the final word. The cross. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. Evil may put up the strongest fight. The cross has the final word.